Hello, friends, and welcome back to the show. This is Eric Wright, the host of your Disco Posse podcast. Super excited because we've got a great episode ahead for you with Aja Atwood. She is the co-founder of Trella Technologies, something that's really, really making an impact on the ability to do horizontal plant management for indoor growing. Why is this awesome? You're going to find out. So listen to the whole show. Oh, and if you wanted to watch as well as listen, you can head on over to youtube.com forward slash Disco Posse podcast. We are now broadcasting both audio and video for every episode. So go check it out. Make sure you hit subscribe and like and all those good YouTubey things you're supposed to do. And if I could, I could ask you one more thing. This podcast is made possible by number one, all of you, the amazing folks that listen and watch and bring these amazing stories to the world, but also to the sponsors that help me to keep the show on the air and help to make sure that we've got a real good ability to, to drive these fantastic conversations and get them amplified. And I'm gonna start, of course, with my good and longtime friends over at Veeam Software. I've been a fan of Veeam for years. They've been great supporters of both the podcast as well as my own personal blog. It's been something that I respect what they do, love the technology, love the team, love the mission they're on. And if you got stuff that's digital, it needs to be protected, whether it's cloud, whether it's on-premises, whether it's physical servers, whether it's cloud native, even SaaS, stuff like Microsoft Teams and Office 365, it's all vulnerable and at risk. De-risk your world. Go over to vee.am forward slash discoposity, check it out. And you can see how you can make your world all kinds of Veeam-tastic. Please do go check it out. Again, it's vee.am forward slash discoposity. Another great supporter of the show is, speaking of protection, how we're protecting your data in flight by giving yourself a VPN. This is really, really important because I travel a bunch and it's especially important because then I'm at risk with all these sketchy Wi-Fi's all over the place. So I use ExpressVPN and I highly recommend you should do the same. And if you want to, it's easy to do. Go to tryexpressvpn.com forward slash Disco Posse. Let some know old Disco sent you their way. Oh, right. And if you want to get great coffee, go to diabolicalcoffee.com. That's not really a sponsor. I own the company, but it's really flipping great coffee. So go check it out. All right. This is Asia Atwood from Trella on the Disco Posse podcast. I'm Aja Atwood, CEO and co-founder of Trella, and you are listening to the Disco Posse Podcast. You're listening to the Disco Posse Podcast. Now I know we're in business. That's like my ghost signal. I, once I hear that phrase, I'd say the, the microphones are on, the on-air light gets turned on, and, and life is good. So, Aja, thank you very much. I, I'm so glad we got a chance to, to chat because your, your personal story, your business story, and everything you're working on is just it's enthralling from every angle. So being able to spend time and, and exploring some of that with you is something I've been really looking forward to. Uh, for folks that are new to you and new to Trella, if you don't mind, Aja, let's give a quick sort of bio on on you and and the and the company, and then we're going to dive into, you know, what I'm excited about and what the world should be excited about with what you're doing. Oh, excellent. Thank you. Well, thank you for having me, Eric, um, getting a chance to uh, share the story with your, your listeners. Um, I'm uh, yeah, Asia Atwood, living in New England in the Massachusetts area right now. Um, kind of been on the East Coast most of my life, done a lot of world traveling. Um, got into the corporate space uh, right out of college, went to Northeastern, and, and after college started working in something called risk engineering, um, property risk engineering. And basically what that is, is, uh, you know, engineers that go around and assess how bad um, will it be if there's a fire or some sort of natural catastrophe, explosion, et cetera. And then what can we do to try to mitigate that with, you know, technology, uh, different, you know, construction protocols, building codes, et cetera. So um, I did that for a very long time, for about 15 years. But while I was doing that, I was always dabbling on the side with 
a little a little project here and there. Um, I uh, I think maybe when I was maybe 29 or 30 years old, I got that. I want to. I think I need to be on my own and, and create something on my own and be an entrepreneur. But wasn't really ready to make that full fledged leap um, right away. So um, I got into uh, trading, day trading, and um, tried to. And I well, came up actually with a solution to automate um, identifying Fibonacci levels, um, and that was um, you know something small, not very big, but you know it had some had some cash flow coming in. And it was a great learning experience. And then after that, I moved. Um, uh, I took a I took a really good break and started just, you know, working on my leadership skills, management skills. Got a coach um, to, to really figure out what do I really want to do. And if I want to do something big, I'm going to need to I'm going to need to figure out how to lead people, how to manage people. So I uh, started working on some of that stuff to get myself prepared. And then um, also on the on the side, uh, I always played sports and. Um, was what they would call uh, a weekend warrior. I, um, you know, you graduate from college and you still want to play all the sports that you used to play in high school and college, and you're playing them on the weekend. So um, I got into playing flag football, and then that morphed into playing on a women's professional football team, um, where we were, you know, full pads, full helmet, um, and you're doing that just because you love it. There's not like a great physical, you know, uh, therapy or train or a trainer afterwards to mend you up after you you hurt yourself. So um, a lot of what we were doing was, you know, medicating, self-medicating ourselves, um, and some of us were doing it with cannabis. And this is before, you know, <laughs> I'm giving myself away, but this was before it was legal, which, <laughs> which you know, a lot of us did. Uh, but as the as the industry, especially in Massachusetts, started to uh, develop, um, legalization was on the rise more. Um, and I lived in a state where we were luckily able to to get our medical card and home grow. So allowed, you know, I had the ability to uh, really dig into it and, and learn more about the plant, uh, get a lot of education, and learn how to grow myself. Um, so I got into um, growing on my own, got into growing other types of other food, uh, then got into a, another um, a startup that was focused on the ag tech space. So that was my first entry into what I would say ag tech, um, where we were developing a system that would grow one plant inside of a container, inside of a home. Um, you may have seen competitors like that out there. Um, there are solutions out, out there for that already. Um, but we were working on something similar um, and decided that I wanted to do my own thing, um, something a little bit more um, unique and, and just, just different. Uh, and took a break from, from that startup to give my, my brain a chance to you know, soak everything in, figure out what I wanted to do. And voila, um, we got into to Trello, uh, Trello technology. So I'm now CEO and co-founder of Trello. Um, my co-founder and I um, are both engineers. We met at Northeastern University, and um, I came to him when I said, hey, you know, I'm having a problem with my own grow in my basement. Um, I travel a lot for work. I was still working my corporate gig at the time, so I was out of, I was out of pocket um, and away from home, sometimes for a full week, maybe every other week. It was getting that, you know, that uh, intense. So trying to grow plants, even if you you know, grow them outside, grow them inside, they require maintenance, they require some sort of upkeep. And especially when you're inside, you have to manage your lights, manage your, your nutrients. Um, right. And a lot of that stuff can be automated. I know you may have had other guests on that talk about, you know, in, indoor farming technology. There's lots of stuff out mm -hmm. there. The thing I couldn't figure out was, how do I control the, how tall the plants grow? You know, they're growing out of control while I'm away, they're growing into the lights, uh, you know, getting too close to the lights, it's too you know too hot, so they start to burn. Um, how can I create a situation where I'm controlling all of this foliage when I'm not there? Uh, so I got together with my co-founder Dre, and we started working on a solution, and that's what we have here today: is uh, Trello Grow LST. It's the only automated um, plant training system. Uh, we say it's the automated horizontal plant training system because what it essentially does is it grows a plant. Um, from one, you know, sideways from one side to another, keeping it at, you know, a, a predetermined height, um, so that you can keep them in really tight, short spaces, specifically vertical stacked farming situations and container farms, or just, you know, in your grow closet. <laughs> so yeah. it's all about trying to grow, you know, whatever you want to grow 
wherever you want to grow it um, because we, we need that option, especially as the climate um, is changing. So that's my, a little bit of my history, a little bit about me. I'll, I'll stop talking and <laughs> give you a chance. Yeah, no, it's fantastic. Well, and, and it's such a perfect, like sort of top quick view of, of your progression and the the concept of of you know vertical farming is something that you know people often hear about is you know the idea that we could move into instead of field farming a traditional field farming and then ultimately the impact there is that you have to have certain years of fallow you have, there's like a lot there's things you have to do the the environmental impact of doing that and with crop types, there's like there's a whole host of reasons why there's challenges there. And so folks, you know, think, okay, well, what can we do indoors? And that's fine as long as your plants don't grow, you know, up and down, <laughs> which unfortunately most plants do. Uh, so the fact that you went at it, first of all, you had the, you know, a personal problem that you could you could solve this challenge, right? Or, and then from there there's really kind of industrial level of capability that's empowered now because of that. And the fact that you use technology to solve this patented at that, right? So you, you've actually, there's so much of this story that's incredible to a lot of people because you've done so much right that I don't even know if you knew you were doing it right all the way through, like. <laughs> um, what? <laughs> Thank you in, very much, Eric. <laughs> It's amazing because in in hindsight, we look back on, you know, people generally like to understand the 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 patenting and, and intellectual intellectual property protection, especially in mechanical design stuff, is super important. Having the foresight, though the one thing I want to pick, I want to dig deep into Trello, the actual technology, but you said something that was very important to me. You think about getting into a startup. And the first thing you did was you chose to find a coach so that you could be a good leader. And that was like, I wish everybody would do this. Like you really had the foresight that you knew that what you needed to do to be successful, to build a team was to make sure you were ready for that. And that is such a, such a beautiful part of the story that you really saw that need early and I can I can bet as anybody that works with you would attest that, that that you did the right thing in making sure that that was front and center before you went to just throw a company in front of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, um, looking back on it, um, it was kind of an organic progression to make that decision to do to do it. Um, I was just trying to really figure out what do I want to do in life um, and working with someone already. So I was already in that kind of mindset of you need help. <laughs> So yeah. you know, get get resources um, to help you with things. Uh, but I, I mean, my my coach at the time would say to me all the time, you know, you really could be a leader, you know, and she would hear me from time to time say something, you know, spout out a belief like, you know, oh, it's too difficult to manage people. I really don't want to have to deal with, with people's problems. Because <laughs> yeah. that's kind of how I saw I saw the position. I saw my manager. That was really how I he came across. He was just solving problems all, all day, which is what you do. But um, I think when you understand that you're not solving problems, you're actually assisting your team um, so that they're enabling enabling them so that they can do what they really need to do. It's a different perspective. But I had to learn that um, through coaching, through you know reading books and and taking courses. Um, being honest with myself about my, my weaknesses, um, still working on it, not perfect. Um, but one of the things that um, I think really sealed it for me that I needed to do it this way was my own experiences of working with leaders who unfortunately had a negative impact on, you know, on my, my work life and some of the work life of my, my peers. And, and when I was working, people I, I was yeah. working with and working beside. And I said that, you know, someone said something. I can't remember where I heard this, but you know, it's you know, a, your 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 boss, quote unquote, or or manager um, has the biggest impact. You have a, the biggest impact on someone's day because they spend a lot of time under your, you know, with you, 
um, you can say something or do something that really throws their whole and they take that home to their family and it, it, it affects the community. So this is a, it's a very important role um, when you're leading a team and you're in, in charge of morale and just the culture and the mission. And, you know, it's, it's very, it's, there's a lot of emotional IQ, um, I think, required for it. So I, I needed to step up my game um, and I'm still working on it. But um, yeah, I just thought if I'm going to do it and I don't want to be what I've already seen, <laughs> I'm going to yeah. have to figure out my way of doing it so that I, I'm happy with the, the community and the culture that I've created. Yeah, it's such a beautiful sort of uh, empathetic understanding that you had early that more founders really could tap into is that you know even before they know they're ready for it sometimes just being able to start to recognize and look at like yeah like you said it's everything's a work in progress i mean i can there's probably plenty of relationship counselors who are divorced there are plenty of of psychologists and psychotherapists who are seeing therapists because they have their own no one is is perfect in any way, uh, you know, and so it's always about revisiting and rechecking, and and the fact that you, I said I just I had a huge respect, just even in that fact that you can open up about that piece of your your life and the importance to you, and not just to you, but to the community that's wrapped around you. And I, I think that's that's really really cool. You you could give coaching classes to many people I know <laughs> on that capability. When you look at your, you know, the initial problem, right? So obviously there's farming is a challenge, especially when you get into small space utilization. When you first thought you had a very distinct small space you had to, to solve a problem for, did you recognize early that this was a scalable solution? Um, yes, we did recognize it early because Luckily, an angel investor whose name I cannot recall, <laughs> unfortunately. But I, if I if I see him again, I, I will I will definitely thank him profusely. Uh, said to me before you get all willy nilly with this investment, that's the word he used. Um, you need to make sure that there's a market for it. So um, I spent maybe about six weeks um, just researching, researching, researching. You know, indoor farming, modern farming, and that's when I found. Oh, this would be perfect to be placed in racks for you know vertical farming situations. I, I'm seeing a lot of microgreens, a lot of lettuce, short, you know, tight things. I'm not seeing a lot of diversity in the in the racks, and you know we need a variety of plants. They they all have different benefits, different um, different things they provide to us from a health perspective, um, from a healing perspective. Uh, so you know it's like uh, Fruit's important, <laughs> you know. Right. It's, it's a we need to get those types of things inside as well, and be able to stack them and make the most out of the, the vertical height um, that a building, you know, might might have. So, luckily, thank thankfully that 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 angel investor said something, and um, we went and did some research and found, wow, no, this is huge. Like this isn't just, um, you know, a, a cool toy for a cannabis home grower. It, it's that too. Like right. I'm not, you know, I'm not saying that it, it's not just fun to have because it is like we enjoy having it. <laughs> um, but it also has a greater purpose of trying to figure out how can we get taller plants indoors and stack them um, without driving ourselves insane with trying to manage all of those plants on all those levels, um, in these different configurations. Yeah. And the, the, I guess maybe it's funny, like even just the way you describe things is so fantastic to listen to because it probably comes from your your risk background. You're you're way ahead of thought evaluation before execution, which means that your execution inevitably is weighted strongly in the positive because you've you've kind of weighed a lot of risk in a lot of your decision-making leading up to it. Uh, again, this is, it's a, it's kind of upside, not upside down. I should say it's, it's non-traditional to how a lot of like, just people are like, I've got an idea, I'm going to get some money and then I'm going to see if it works. <laughs> you, you put far more effective 
risk planning towards it so that when you hit the true start line, I would I would believe that it should lead to like now all the positive growth can come because you've weighed so much of the negative and you're prepared, I think, for the risk more so than, than a lot of people would be. Yeah, you know, it it's a it's a positive, but it's also you know, having <laughs> <laughs> having that, that risk engineering brain, it's it's a curse and a blessing. Um, because I'm constantly evaluating, you know, what, what are the risks? What are the pros? What could go wrong? How can I mitigate it? Um, and it, sometimes some people would say from outside looking in may have delayed our, our growth and how fast we can move. Um, but we're still making progress and we're still pr progressing. So I'm happy with that. Um, and I'm not and I'm not going to put speed um, on the list. I'd rather stay where my comfort zone is and be thoughtful and plan ahead and um, and do things the right way. So, yeah, you know, a lot of a lot of thinking about you know the patent. Um, my my co-founder um, Andres uh, Tramaro, we call him Dre. Um, he's uh, a brilliant, brilliant individual. Um, we work really well together. Um, he's able to to find solutions, um, and we we brainstorm really well together. So. Um, you know he's 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 been incredible, but he also brought to the table um, that patent experience. He's um, very heavy in patents, has a lot of uh, I think he's over thirty um, patents either pending um, or already issued. So he has that that mentality too. So we're very both of us are are kind of like you know introvert. <laughs> let's let's overanalyze maybe sometimes to an extent. Um, so now what we've done is we've decided, especially in the last, I would say, you know, mid 2020 moving forward, it's time to supplement those, our skill set with, you know, the other side of people that can do and that can, um, you know, see our vision and, and do the communication and, and, and help push us, um, so that we get to that, you know, get to that, uh, the, to the point where we're, where we want to be, which is, you know, right. eventually, um, you know, acquired or, to, to um, you know, to a global distributor. Yeah. Yeah, and this is the, I I love that that understanding the and the acknowledgement that yeah, risk awareness is beautiful in that it prepares you well for stuff, but it, it's very easy to get sort of like locked in and never proceed with stuff because it's like the over awareness of of the risk profile is uh it's tough to escape sometimes and it's it's easy to sort of walk you know talk yourself out of out of things because you 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 see the inherent risks and there's this really interesting thing that a lot of a lot of founders often are like completely blind to risk they're like risk is not my problem my problem is is getting this idea to the market and <laughs> yeah someone else will take on the risk portion you're like well, i think you need to have some understanding of it so it's <laughs> But I, yeah. I remember even like worked at a I worked at a financial services company and we would go we we're just going to do like a a scavenger hunt for like a team building thing and we get there and one of the people that was you know with us for the scavenger hunt was our our chief uh, counsel and so she's there like redlining the waiver like dudes <laughs> like like read through the no we can't do this I need you to sign that you're agreeing that we're gonna you're waiving your waiver for us and I'm like. It's okay. We're just we're going to look for cupcakes in downtown Vancouver. This is not exactly a. We're not going driving. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that, that that'll mess up the the vibe of it a little bit. But um, yeah, you know, and then you know, some people will say, um, you know, because we're in a can't we're in, so we're not risk averse. You know, we 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 just I think try to identify and understand it and figure out how can we. Just like I did in my old, you know, professional lifestyle. Let's see what we can do to avoid that um, right. as best as possible, but still try to move forward. Yeah, it's really. I mean, it's that concept, as as the saying goes, right? That plans are useless, but planning is essential, right? It's the fact that you're you're preparing so that you won't be caught off guard, right? You're mm -hmm. willing to do something, you know. Playing football, if you if we did any of the if we looked at some of the data now and some of the you know historical stuff on on injury risk but you'd think that they would just pull the game off of the map altogether but we don't we, we understand there are risks attached to it but the benefits 
that we achieve are, are significant, right? Everything from physical to commercial, there's a lot of a lot of benefit to it all. So everything comes with risk, and it's a matter of understanding and mitigating that risk, and then succeeding into it, uh, really, and and making it worthwhile to take those risks. I think that's that's the biggest piece. Yeah. When let's talk about I love let's talk about the physical what's the, in the life of of a plant as it gets into the Trella LST and like what what does this process look like as you sorry I'm Canadian so I say process instead of process. Uh so <laughs> what is what is it what is that early life of a plant as it grows into the system? Yeah, so um Basically, you can put um, any type of we call fruit-bearing plant. So that could be cannabis, hemp, but it could also be melons, tomatoes, etc. Um, so you're going to want to put in a fruit-bearing plant. So in the case of a cannabis plant, it would be a femin what's called a feminized um, plant. So something that's definitely going to give you the flower, not give you seeds. Right. Um, the male plant gives out the seed. So you would put uh, whatever you choose in Trella. When the plant is roughly between 6 inches and 12 inches tall, and you can see behind me a little bit, um, a little bit of the device. There's this green ring that's sitting up here on top. There's, a, there's an opening. You can see my hand going through there. Yep. So the plant will grow up towards and through this green ring to the lights that are currently off so that you can actually see it because they're blinding when I turn them on. Um, <laughs> but but it's, the top of the plant will come through here. And there are a group of sensors that are sensing what's going on is plant getting too tall. And if so, I need to move down the row, down, the, down this pathway. So in this case, we're going past me, past my side shoulder. It'll be growing in that direction. Um, it's going to grow for a length of six feet. This is our Model 6. Um, we have another model that's called a Model 4 that only grows four feet in length. But basically what it does is it's tracking how much growth is happening, moving sideways accordingly. And then there's this um, agricultural netting that holds all of the foliage in um, so that the, the leaves and the branches don't, you know, pop out and, and, and get in right. the way. Um, and then we also have a series of fans, which you can't see from this shot, but there are some fans that blow air under the plant as it grows down that, that pathway so that we're making sure that since we're holding the plant, you know, in a contained space, we want to make sure that we have lots of air movement to avoid microclimates. Microclimates can lead to bacteria and mold. So we've handled that with with ventilation. And we also have sensors that are sensing temperature, the humidity, and the CO2. We're going to add some additional things onto that. Um, we're talking to a couple of different companies that might help us, you know, take take this to the next level, um, take our, our app, our current app to the next level. Um, but that's what it does. It, it tracks growth rate as it grows from one side to another, gives you some, some data and some information with the Trello Grow LST app. Um, and then once the plant has grown all the way to the side, and that happens during what's called the vegetation stage. So, you know, if, if you grow tomatoes or grow anything, you know, there's a period where the plant is just building its structure. It's just growing the branches and growing the leaves. Um, and then when the season changes, it starts to flower, it starts to fruit. So this automation process is happening during the vegetation process. When the plant is growing its structure, we want, we want that structure to be molded as we grow that plant. Um, and then when it's time for flowering, you can take off, take this comes out of the way, you take off the top mesh panel and the whole thing is open and exposed to, to the lights above. So the branches stretch up towards the light um, and then they start to flower. And we have some other types of trellis netting that you don't see in this shot that help it when, the, when they start to flower, they get kind of like floppy. So you want to hold those up. So we have another level of trellis netting that goes over the top to help with that. Um, but the bulk of the work is done during the vegetation stage. Um, once it's time for flowering, you know, it, the structure is there, it, it's, it's all contained, um, and now you just have to go through that stretch, stretch period, and then you're ready for harvest. And you can take the whole plant out in whole. We have a, a really great picture um, of me holding um, a plant that came out of our Model 6, it's the larger unit, and I'm holding it over my head. That's one full plant, all attack, you know, all intact that I just chopped off at the base and pulled out of the unit. Um, and you, or you could do it, you could harvest it in pieces if you want to just take a little bit, you know, depending right. on your needs. Um, but that's that's basically what it does in a nutshell. Well, and it's it's amazing because the 
the amount of technologies that come into play and the amount of understanding of of nature is it's such an interesting merger like just understanding plant life cycle when growth occurs you know so there's that side of it and then also the sensors and and being able to measure and then create feedback and automation that's wrapped around it it's it's a lot of moving parts <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah it, there, there are a lot of moving parts you know um it's the, the the development of the software and you know we 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 did this with you know bootstrapping um the, the two co-founders and then we we did raise some money um but all let for less than six hundred thousand we've gotten to this point um where we've been able to get a patented product but it did include, you know, software that had to be developed. Um, we had to figure out how are we going to control the, the automation. Luckily, Dre's, I mean, I brought the software experience to an extent when I was doing, you know, some coding with, with the, the trading software that I developed. And then, you know, Dre brought to the table his expertise from metal, his medical devices and robotics. So figuring out how, how, how to control movement. Um, and then um, we took a lot of courses, did a lot of learning on plant life. Um, and I always say, um, people who dig a little deeper that, you know, really, I, I'm not a, I'm not a horticulturalist by, by trade. I'm an engineer. And um, this idea kind of came to me suddenly. It, and even the vision of the, of the device, you know, I have notebooks where I was writing down, sketching out what it, what it should look like, how it should work. And that just came to me. And I really, you know, I used George Washington Carver as as my muse. Um, he, you know, basically learned a lot through, um, you know, just picking it up from from nature, walking in nature. Talk. He literally would talk to the plants, and he just able to kind of pick these things up. Um, so I always say, thank you, George. I I I'd I like to believe that you planted this idea in my head, so that I could see it through. Um, so that's that's how we got all this done. Um, on on multiple dimensions, we needed help. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and but again, it's like you look at, especially when you you mentioned sort of the the where you are as far as investments uh, at this point. Like some people couldn't write a bloody app, you know, just a, a goofy mobile app that would play like Flappy Bird for the price that you're like. You've done a lot of real good groundwork that is, is a. I tell you, Asia, with every further detail I learn about you, my respect grows incredibly. Uh, you and Dre are really doing some some great stuff with this. Thank you. When, to do. <laughs> yeah, well, that's it. And, and and that's what I also, you can see that this, this is the beginning of something wonderful. And when you think about now the the secondary impact, right? And like, there's the initial thing of like, we can solve this very distinct problem here. And, you know, what's the scale, like what's sort of the size of market that you may be looking at in, in where this can be applied? Yeah, I mean, well, so we need food everywhere. So it's a global, it's a global, we start with our global market from that perspective. But, um, you know, because of the risk engineering background as well, and specifically, I, I specialized in natural disasters. Um, so I spent a lot of time evaluating, you know, damage from hurricanes, floods, uh, hail, uh, snow loading. Um, you, you know, we just got hammered up here in the in the Northeast and on, on the U.S. Um, and unfortunately, uh, one of our uh, grow friends, I call them, you know, our we, we're all a family, people that grow and, and share ideas and things together their hoop house uh, collapsed um, oh, underweight. Wow. Um, so, you know, <clears throat> I, I'm looking at it from a perspective of, okay, we need to grow food everywhere. We are having significant changes in our climate. It's gonna have to be grown indoors, but it might also have to be grown in transit. We may need to figure out ways to grow food while we move it. I mean, one of the most expensive parts of our food supply chain is the transport. Um, you got to, they grow it somewhere and they transport it somewhere, maybe to store it if, if it can last through a season and then they transport it somewhere else. Um, so to be able to maybe grow and transport um, would be, you know, one way to, to dig into that issue. Um, 
you have situations where people are are thinking about growing, you know, leaving this planet and going to Mars and developing, you know, populations and industries there. You're going to need food there. You're going to need food while you're transporting um, all that stuff there. So we're looking at this being used not just in a in a warehouse on a rack, but maybe being used in a freight container that's on right on a railway system. Maybe being used in a, a NASA shuttle or or you know some other type of uh, you know device that that that, that transports people <laughs> from Earth to the to the universe somewhere. Um, but it has lots of opportunity, lots of lots of potential. Um, one of the other things that we would love to explore is um, how if we can reduce the the power consumption needed to grow plants so we're also working with um, led companies and trying testing out different types of led systems but what we really want to do and, and people can um you know i'll give out the information later and you can check check this out to learn more but um, we want to sync the lights to gr to go on as the plant grows across this this plane so right now i've got a series of lights, LED lights over my plant. Um, if you can um, use your imagination a little bit and imagine a plant going from left to right, for those of you that aren't looking at this on a video, um, you're going from left to right, growing a plant for a six foot distance. And you may have eight different lights, eight, eight or 12 different LED lights growing, yeah. you know, hanging, hanging over that area. It only makes sense to turn on the lights where the plant actually is at that point. So at, at week one, the plant may have only grown one foot in distance. So you only turn on, you know, one or two LED bars. When it's grown to three feet in distance, then maybe you turn on four LED bars. But it's about trying to develop the canopy and you only using the light when you really have to. Um, and that can take down, uh, you know, our, our power consumption. And then that really allows us to be able to grow anywhere because now we're not relying on infrastructure so much. So I, I think Trella has a role to not just diversify the types of plants we can grow indoors, but to get that power consumption down as best we can so that we can put these in, in enclosed containers that don't require, that can be on for solar panels, don't require, you know, right. a uh, substantial 200 <laughs> power supply. Yeah, the, the lighting is interesting. And it's you, I actually wanted to dig into this because, of course, Sun being the nature's lights that that generates growth uh, through a chemical processes, photosynthesis. But there's a lot of things that why internally, as we've made the move from incandescence to LEDs and fluorescence and different types, how have you been able to have LED have the same effect that nature's sun has been able to to give to Earth for so long? Yeah, well, you know, they always say there's nothing like a sun-grown, you know, plant, and and I, I, I gotta stand by that. I can't say that it's 100% exactly the same. But I also think that there's something to do with soil um, and all the different minerals and nutrients that soil provide. Versus when you bring it indoors, you're using, you know, kind of manufactured nutrients that don't have as as robust uh, a variety of nutrients that soil might have. Right. So I think that's kind of where the, the, the taste and the quality changes might, might take place. Um, the LED light, um, in the, the LED industry has come a really long way over the last, I'd say, five to 10 years. Uh, when they first came out, no one wanted to touch them, especially in the cannabis space. <laughs> um, people, you know, really just made, made fun of them. Um, they called them blurples because they would be like red and purple and stuff. And you still you still have blurples out there. I mean, we started with blurples, so <laughs> no, no, you know, no, no shame or shade in that. But um, there, you know, there's there's Fluence Bioengineering um, and a couple of other LED companies have really taken it to the next level. Um, they're a little pricier. That upfront cost out of pocket will, right. um, you know, will will be a, a little bit of a difference, but the operating costs are substantially less. And at the end of the day, the power consumption running through that light fixture is so much less and it doesn't give off a lot of heat. So all of these like LEDs bring so many pros that kind of outweigh the fact that it's not the sun. Um, and, but I think we can do better. I think we can get a lot better at that um, and even try to find ways to utilize the sun um, indoors. There's, there are people that are doing that too with uh, different 
I can only I can only remember it by describing it. it they, you know, they're like skylights that are focused down, coming through a ceiling and focusing in in kind of uh, uh, what's the word I want to use? Maximizing the light intensity in one space, but right. it's the sun, and it's coming through. You know, coming through a building like like a large magnifying glass of some sort. Um, so there are people doing all types of stuff out there with, uh, with with LEDs, and if we can use more sun, I you know I'm I'm into discovering those those options as well. Yeah, but it's it when you talk about the idea of of in transit, uh, off planet, you know, if we can get this technology right, that empower that really enables a different future of of potential. And even though you know it's. We get these funny things that come every once in a while, like nature's fruit is always going to be the tastiest, as you say, right? Like in, in, in the same way that every once in a while you see sort of an article will come out where like astronomers are complaining about all oh, these bloody satellites in the sky. They're wrecking the starscape because I every time I try and take a long exposure shot, I get all these swipes because of the, the space garbage, you know, low Earth orbit <laughs> satellites. Yep. And like... You know the social media tool that you're sharing from your cell phone of those pictures? Yeah, that's empowered by the fact that you've got these low Earth orbit satellites and CubeSats. And like, it's weird that we're going to have to shed a bit of maybe the purity, purest, pureness of the traditional flavor of fruit, vegetable, whatever. But to get nutrient value in a place where you don't have access to sun, Pretty damn fantastic, if you ask me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, you know, I, I think so. Um, and I, I don't think that there's not that. That's not a great goal. Is to let's let's try to duplicate and get as close as we can to the the true taste of a sun grown, you know, tomato plant. Right. Um, it, it's possible. I don't think it's um, out of the realm of possibilities. I stopped. You know, I don't do it, that whole "it'll never happen" thing. It's, that's that's over with. <laughs> But well, if if Elon isn't watching this one, because I doubt he has time to watch my stuff, but he needs to be watching you. You <laughs> you and Dre need to be getting getting people putting you in front of folks like Elon Musk and other real big thinkers, because the the potential is fin is really really fantastic, and the the opportunity is huge, and the fact that you are in that mindset that like no isn't an option it can't happen isn't an option it's actually one of my favorite there's a recent podcast that was uh, lex friedman uh, is a uh, mit researcher and and he is a he, elon musk was on his podcast and he asked him this the question was you know what do you how do you think about you know the risk of something and and the fact that it may not happen it's actually one of my favorite podcast moments because <laughs> he's he stopped and as if you ever watch Elon Musk and he's on a podcast, he he really thinks about what he's about to say. He doesn't just just jump in and start talking. And it was pure silence for like 20 seconds. Mm. And you could see him and he's like literally like blinking and eyes are darting around. And he says, uh, that's that's never entered into my mind. We we just know we have to find a way to do it, and and like that's just so no it, it, it no is not an option, right? And it's like the sort of hero like no is not an option. Give everything one hundred ten percent. Like that's sort of the coach yelling like let's empower like fire ourselves up, but he is like mathematically trying to get to no is not an option, and mm -hmm. it, I see that in your approach too and and that's why it's uh it's cool because the potential is is great and how big is the how big is the ecosystem of people that are trying to solve this kind of problem asia um not not incredibly big but it's growing um i would say maybe about four three or four years ago i didn't see a lot of um talk about diversifying the types of plants you can grow indoors, it was really focused on the microgreen, the lettuce. And now I've seen a lot more vertical farming companies, container farming companies trying to grow things like strawberries, raspberries, trying to get a little bit more uh, diverse. Um, there's also, you know, unfortunately, the genetically modified option where um, people are right. modifying the plants to make sure that they only grow a certain height. Um, you know, so that 
that's you know an option as well. Um, but for the most part, it's been you know old school trellising. Um, yeah. You know, uh, tying things down with a trellis and, and 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 doing it that way. And that's that's what the bulk of the of the industry still does. Um, and I think you know that approach works, but at scale, it's very difficult. Very difficult. Um, and for me, and and I maybe you, you might recognize this thought um, from a book. Um, I, I can't remember which book it is that I read um, about, you know, the real impact of technology and that technology is really supposed to allow us to have more time to be creative and to rest. Like technology isn't really here to do, go faster and to drive more people faster. Right. It's, it's here to free us um, from, from that burden of labor. Um, and to be able to allow more resources to be spread out so that people can do that. And um, so that's kind of where my, like, you know, my, my thought when people push back on automation and technology, it's like, it's coming. And yeah. it's either going to, it's either going to, you know, go past you or, um, and, and, and mull you over, or you can adapt to it and make it yours. Like put, put your, put your funk on it <laughs> and make it yours so that, it's the way that you want it to be. So that's that's what we're trying to do. It's like, all right, it's coming. How do we want it to be? And, and what can we do to help? Yeah, you either have a chance to shape it or to watch it shape you, you know, and and it's a it's an interesting sort of personal responsibility that I think very few are taking on. Uh, and we get the sort of interesting divide of, of things that happen around like building a business around something, ultimately driving towards revenue growth. And we talk about growing companies, getting towards successful exits. Like you should be obviously rewarded for having, bringing something to the market. And so we end up in this, an interesting dichotomy of like capitalists, I mean, be careful I say this, right? Capitalism in the ability that we can have something created that wasn't there that can then give back to the ecosystem so in its theory of course is right you know uh, we we won't talk about how trickle economics uh, doesn't doesn't work <laughs> you know there's lots of places breaking down but today's founders you in particular you and dre everything in your messaging in your speech in your thought process community team give back like that's, it's entrenched in how you're doing things. And I see more and more people are thinking that way. You know, we kind of get mad at, at Elon Musk and, and Jeff Bezos and other folks that have obviously become profoundly rich, right? Like they, so much money, there's nothing they can, there's no possible way they could spend it if they just sat there and burned it in piles. They couldn't get rid of it as fast as they're making it. But in cases that we don't often see, they are doing other things that are, giving back to the world. It's just that we see the, we see the dark parts a lot easier than we see the light. Yeah. But as a community supporter, right? What, what is the opportunity for us in getting more people involved in, in building these technologies and leveraging these capabilities to truly give back to more people that won't necessarily be founders and may not have access to those kind of resources? Well, I think, you know, some of the stuff that I see um, is, you know, we, we, we have, we have in our, we have the ability to like 3D print and it's just, it's just so easy to create nowadays. Um, so I think that everybody who has the true will, I guess, uh, really wants to create because not everybody really wants to do this stuff and they don't, we don't need everyone doing it, but we definitely need a lot more. And we need a lot more people with a diverse perspective um, in, in, you know, a diverse way of trying things. So, um, I don't know. I mean, it, my, my, my brain is stuck on the word expert. Um, and this might not answer your question, Eric, so I apologize if it doesn't, but my brain just won't let me <laughs> avoid that word expert. Um, it, this isn't really the time for them, in my opinion, right now. Um, we need, because I've been an expert on something, quote unquote, um, in my um, 
my corporate life, people considered me at the in my corporation the, the top level person that had to make a decision for hurricane engineering in, in windstorm. But when something new would come to me, because I'm such an expert, I don't I don't see the the opportunity. I don't see, you know, how this could potentially do something different than than what it's currently doing right now. Um, so I really think the opportunity is that the more people we get involved that aren't experts that are willing to get in and break things and make mistakes and and try again, um, we're going to we're going to see we're gonna you know we're gonna it's gonna yield an incredible such incredible technology and, and, and things that we can do. And I also at the same time the world is changing with the metaverse. Um, you know not not one metaverse. I'm talking about the all of the metaverses that are being yeah created. yeah. So I'm yeah. not I'm not doing a, a plug for an individual company. Um, <laughs> But um, all of the metaverses that are being created really allow a lot of people who are more on that creativity side to be able to benefit from the technology that's being developed. So it, it technology has a, you know, there's the people that create the technology, that maintain the technology, that, that use the technology. There's all these connections through it. Um, so the more that we can, the more things that we can create and, and, and foster, that's more connections that we're all making and that fosters community. So um, I don't know. That's that's brain's way of, of answering that question on the fly. Oh, so that's great. <laughs> no, I, I love it, and it, it reminds me too of like in in government representation in so many places. Like we we really struggle. You know, we're we're often overly concerned on the impact of of capitalism and money. You know, which. Again, not going to say that it's pure. I believe there's a whole host of problems, you know, in in abuse of that system and abuse of of privilege and power in that area. But then, in the regulatory side of the world, like there's not enough representation there of true what the world looks like, right? Like it's not about you know it's diversity of you know physical diversity. There's one thing, but having lawyers who are diverse, like 10 lawyers that are from all different, you know, genetic backgrounds, there's still 10 lawyers. We need farmers, engineers, artists, creators. That's the diversity that we really need to embrace is that diversity of thought, diversity of, of willingness. And, and I, that's why I'm, I'm with you in this idea that, you know, the, the, the metaverse concept is going to you know open the doors for people with creative ideas and they can experiment and test and that's really what we need and uh yeah and as a community too when i create a, a community of people we often you know it's, it's our communities of practice there are communities of you know commitment to a, a religion there are communities of commitments to uh you know many different things each is a community and then the blending of those communities in this Venn diagram of common goal. We all want to succeed, grow, empower each other. So how can we see that blending of those things come together where artists, engineers, mathematicians, farmers, everybody can contribute to this and, and have a feeling that they can make something happen. You know, and that's why I love entrepreneurship more and more, like the great resignation. That's why I don't believe the numbers. Oh, I'm yeah, I sure like, that on. I'm like, yeah. yes. <laughs> when they say like the jobs numbers are, you know, are what they are, I'm like, you're you're measuring the wrong numbers. Like, let's talk about who's creating opportunity, who's creating e a new economy. We're we're gonna spend the next decade still wondering why the numbers don't line up to something. And like we've got more people who don't have are are aren't on the jobless role, but who aren't wanting to be on it because they aren't they're doing different things now. It's uh, it's an interesting. I love this time. I love the opportunity. The potential is here. I just hope that yeah. more people can unlock it. Yeah, I. I hundred percent is a fantastic time to be alive and you don't have to be an engineer to engineer like it's it, it, it there's there's a lot of opportunity for most of us on, on this planet so um, it's good it's a good time what's 
what's the next big problem that uh, that Asia is looking to solve? <laughs> Ooh, all right. <laughs> it, you know, it, for Trella, it's we, we've accomplished so much with getting to the point where we have the product. We've you know we've got our patent. We've, we're making our first round of deliveries. Um, but scaling it to the point where it can actually be what it is that I see in my mind, that's going to take a lot of help. Um, and that's going to take a lot of capital um, and a lot of you know, human capital as well. So one of the biggest um, projects that I have on my plate for this year and, and next is, bu is building, this, building this company and building this team. Um, so that's, a, that's, <laughs> that's really where my, my, my energy is right now is, OK, how do we get this into the hands of more people? Um, and what resources do we need to, to do that? And that's the focus day after day. Now, I mean, I obviously I don't want to walk you into a, a, a things that you wouldn't want to delve into, but like thinking just not necessarily just, just Trello, but like things like crowdfunding and the next gen, I see there's a lot more sort of like cooperative investments. And, and this, you know, seems like one of those great fits. And I think there's a lot more of that opportunity coming up where we can have cooperative venture capital, where it's not just sort of the restricted set of accredited investors. We're seeing more people doing stuff with, you know, direct investments via AngelList, uh, collaborative investments, crowdfunding investments. It's in a weird space right now because once, you know, every once in a while a company goes, goes under and a crowdfunded investment goes away and everybody says like, oh, this is horrifying. Like, do you know how many venture capital companies go under? It's like, there's a disturbing amount of them. That's the most of the bets lose, sadly, uh, at least at the scale that they hope to get this outsized return. But I, I, it feels like that's an area where you and many others like you have a huge potential if the world is ready to properly do that. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, we are uh, huge proponents of crowdfunding. It's really how we, we got this far. Um, you know, I, I mentioned that we bootstrapped for a little bit, but the first thing we did after that um, was we went out to the crowd and we did Indiegogo and raised, you know, a, some money that way. And then we did um, a start engine campaign, which is regulation crowdfunding. So you're giving away some sort of security in exchange for the money you receive. And you're right, like it's it's open to the public. You don't have to be an accredited investor. Um, you can mean like you know like a high net worth individual. You it could be it could be anyone who is like, hey, I like this idea. I want to support this mission. Um, I may only have like two hundred bucks, but I I want to put my my two hundred bucks into this um, to support it. And yeah. that that's what we're we'll we'll continue to do. I mean, we have um, another regulation crowdfunding campaign that by the time this airs will be open to the public um so please you know when i i'll share some information at the at the end uh but check us out and if you're interested to uh, you know support us be a part of it um have some some cap you know have some 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 weight <laughs> yeah. in the, some skin in the game rather is what i i, I I'll, I'll use have some if you want to have some skin in the game you want to support us you can invest and in in exchange you get some form of security. It's not just a donation. It's it's actual, you know, a form of ownership in the company. Um, it allows, you know, for a, a much wider audience of individuals to participate in investment. And I mean, that's really the way that people build wealth um, in this, you know, capital structure that we have is, is right. through, through investing. Um, and I, I just find it crazy that you can, you know, bet on the Super Bowl game without limitation. Um, but you can't put, you know, $100 into a buddy's um, business without the SEC. That was the old school way. Um, but yeah. now with, with regulation crowdfunding, you, you can do that. Um, so I'm glad that it I'm glad that it finally um, is starting to pick up more steam. Yeah, like the idea that like I have to go and take a, a series six or series nine, like like the, at the minimum, I have to take an SEC accredited exam as a like which basically equivalent becoming a financial advisor just to be able to to put in money and then of course there's like minimum investment levels and minimum like like you said that's a it's just a strange concept to me 
no one can stop you from pouring money into a, a slot machine without checking your bank account size, but yet I can invest $1,000 into an equity fund if I don't have 100x that in the bank secured somewhere else. Right. right. It's, it's just bizarre. Not that I want people treating equity as a bet, but it's like, that is a bet. The slot machine is likely to not win. The equity is likely to have at least a modest return. <laughs> it's uncertainty. It's all yeah. uncertainty. Yeah. So I, I, I do hope that we see more and more. And I think there's more and more even in the traditional venture capital, sort of like the second stage that we had like the VCs with the Sand Hill Road folks, and then they created this wave of initial big companies. And then those people have left their big companies with big in, you know equity results, and now they're becoming investors. And then those next layer, like we're seeing this, this sort of tree, upside down tree of like now this layer, and those people are saying, I, the system's broken. We're gonna re we're gonna reboot it, you know. Yeah. And yeah. we need a Robin Hood for equity management. I mean, there's obviously there is regulatory stuff. There are the things that they have to consider because there are there's an unfortunate amount of legalese involved once mm -hmm. you have equity involvement in a company, even if it's non-voting equity. But uh, anyways, I'm I like just the same way that. We can change the way we grow food. We can change the way we grow value, you know, monetary value for people that didn't have access to it before. And I think we're getting there. Yeah, yeah, for, for sure. I, I'm, I'm really happy about what I see. And I think blockchain, Web3, um, you know, decentralized autonomous organizations, otherwise known as DAOs, um, they, they all have potential. Um, and um, I, I'm looking at all of them. <laughs> Thank you. My eyes on all of them, and um, really looking forward to the future. And you know, if, if you know, as you describe those levels of investors that kind of trickle down, and then there, there's there's you know a lot more options. I, I've seen a, a lot of different funds that I didn't see two or three years ago that are now available. Um, and 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 looking at you know companies like ours. So you know, if you are one of those investors that you know likes the story, wants to hear more, please uh, take a second if you can and check out our website. Uh, we have an investor um, thing on our on our menu. So just go there and you'll learn more. Do it. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is a bet I would be willing to make. And uh, yeah, it's it's one of those uh, those opportunities now for, for all of us to do something fantastic and, and to see what you and Dre are doing and, and all, you're building a team around it, which is great. So I definitely see that you, you will have a positive result in one way or another. There will be a positive outcome to this, you know, whatever it looks like, maybe reshaped as be interesting. As, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But especially like, yeah, post COVID, worlds are changing uh the understanding of the impact on the earth is changing we are the, the policies that were written that tell us how we should farm were about as equivalent in timing as the first sandhill road investors were on the first startups mm -hmm. it was right and it created an ecosystem but we are now at the point where we're saying like an etch a sketch. All right, let's shake it out. Let's let's see, let's rethink some of this stuff. And and this is, you know, and there's enough there's enough people that see the the value. There's no more like ah, you know, the world will outlive me, right? I, I think there was a generation of people who were like they were they didn't believe they were going to see the change occur, so there was less impetus to make the change. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we have a generation right. in front of us who are like, I'm tired of your shit. <laughs> <laughs> You've done enough. Thank you. We'll take it from here. Yeah, exactly. Uh, let, let me run with this. <laughs> yep. What's uh, in closing, Asia, what's the, the advice you would give to someone who has an idea that they want to turn into action? Oh, boy. You have the idea and you want to turn it into action. 
there's so many things that you that that you can do, but I think I'll have to I'll have to start with you before you do anything else. You need to figure out why you want to why you want to take that next step, whatever that step is. Why are you why are you focused on this idea? Why did you create this idea? If it's five years from now and the idea hasn't taken off, what's going to make you still want to work on it? Um, you got to start with what, what drives you. Um, and then I'll also say, there's nothing you can do but act after that. Like, there's no, like, what, what do you do to act? Like, you have to do something. Um, send the email, pick up the phone, post the post. And trust me, I struggle with that a lot. Like, I, I'd rather keep things to myself and not share them until I think they're exactly the way I want them. Um, but that that perfection and stuff is is not sustaining. <laughs> so, yeah, figure out why you want to do it before anything else, um, and then do something. Love it. Yeah. I, another quote that I got from somebody, Peter Sisson, he's a, he was the founder of a company called Yaza, which they pivoted and they, he's had a lot of, he'd founded four companies. He's a sort of serial entrepreneur. And he says, if you aren't embarrassed about what you produce, then you waited too long. Like mm. there's gotta be a little bit of like, I hope this goes okay. <laughs> Sometimes you just got to push the skateboard over the hill and start, start gliding. <laughs> but yeah. I, you you said it just perfectly. Uh, perfect closer to that. So, Asia, if someone wants to get in contact with you, what's the best way that they can do that? Yes, please. Thanks for listening all the way till the end for it. Um, Trella.io, T-R-E-L-L-A.io um, is our website. Uh, if you want to check us out on social media, um, we're on Instagram, YouTube, TikTok, uh, LinkedIn, uh, Trella Tech. At Trello Tech is our, our hashtag on most of those. So if you put in at Trello Tech, we'll come up. Uh, but Trello Technologies and Trello.io is the best place to find us. Please reach out um, if you have you know any ideas or, or thoughts or anything. We'd love to love to hear it. If you want to invest, hit the button, do the thing. Yeah, let's, that as let's well. Do this. Thank you. But I, I, <laughs> people need to do that. I look forward to the chance of. Uh, Maybe I'll dip my toes in some investment waters. I would definitely put uh, I would put a bet on you and Dre. You're doing fantastic stuff. So thank you very much for taking the time and sharing your story today. Appreciate that, Eric. Really do. Thank you.